Hey, Jordan. How are you today? Not too bad. A bit cold this time. <laughs> <laughs> well, where are you right now? I'm just in Lismore, but like been in the tropics for like the past year and a bit. So yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's there is actually winter here. Yeah, yeah. the temperature below below twenty eight is a bit hard. <laughs> <laughs> you spoil up there, mate. Uh, yeah, well, well, thanks for coming on uh, my podcast today, and yeah, for I'm sure people of the NCP community know who you are, but for the two or three people who don't know who you are in your story, <laughs> could you um quickly just like introduce yourself and like, yeah, tell us a little bit about yourself, what you study, and um, yeah, what what you're currently up to right now. It's an interesting time. Yeah, so um. My name's Jordan, as everybody knows. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a Bundjalung man from um, northern New South Wales. Yeah. And I'm, I'm from Southern Cross University and the Lismore campus. And I'm studying marine science at the moment. Mm. Technically, I'm finished, but I got like a unit to go, but I've already handed my paper in. So ah, okay. It's finished. It's finished. That's yeah. limbo land at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I can about six months and then I hopefully I'll get onto my honours next year and do some coral reef research, hopefully. Mm. Mm. Wow. And so honours is the goal and then after that, uh, do you plan to get into the field uh, to, to do research or is there, I'm not too familiar with the marine science world. Uh, yeah, like what would be the, the future goal or direction that you're trying to head to? So for me, it's probably hopefully go for a first class honours. Mm. <laughs> we'll see what happens there. Yeah. And then hopefully that leads onto a PhD and I'll do that finish up in a PhD. And then aim is to do coral reef research, whether yeah. uni or at a NGO. We'll see how where that goes. Yeah. You know, these days things change so quickly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Wow. And like, how did you get like get into marine science? Because it's it's pretty niche. Uh, usually, students will be doing you know business, engineering, law, uh, marine science. Well, I'm in Sydney at the moment. I'm not sure if there is any universities that actually actually like offer that. Uh, even oh. though we're near beaches, but I don't think there are any like corals and yeah, exotic not, fishes around. The Institute of Sydney might do it. Yeah. Not too sure. Yeah. <laughs> really away from Sydney. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Um, I was always had like a strong connection to the ocean growing up. I've always lived on the coast. Mm. So, like, because it's a pretty strong connection there. But it didn't really come till I was doing my apprenticeship as a mechanic. And then when I went up scuba diving on the Great Barrier Reef, and I saw yeah. like, Biologist, while I was up there, I was like, Oh, oh man, I'm gonna do this. Working in cars. I my back. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, Oh, I'll just give, I'll give it a crack and see how it goes. Yeah, and wow, I'm pretty good so far. It's <laughs> <laughs> good to hear. Oh, okay. So, okay, so you're working out as a mechanic in the past. Um, Pardon me, I did read a, a couple articles on the NCP website and uh, I did stalk your profile a little bit. Uh, your journey hasn't been as conventional as you know, a lot of students you know, coming out of high school, just going straight to uni, going to the workforce. Yeah. But I think that's worked a lot more well for you and you seem very happy about that. So, like, you know, like, 
what was the journey like from going from school and then now here at NCP? Like, did you want to yes. tell us your story a little bit? <laughs> Compared to most people. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, high school wasn't a very good place for me. I did not like it at all. I really yeah. struggled high school. I don't know if it's because I was immature or just had struggle focusing mm. at all. Yeah. So practically almost failing. <laughs> Man. <laughs> We've all been there. <laughs> one of the low, lowest ATARs ever, so yeah. that was fun. But by <laughs> high school, what I wanted to do was I wanted to be a zookeeper. Mm. So I went and talked to my careers advisor when we had our careers day and our meetings and stuff, whatever that, whatever they do these days. And so I went there and told her that, and she's like, oh, you probably won't be able to do that. So, <laughs> what? <laughs> get into uni for that unit. So I was like, oh, awesome. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> and so then I was in year 11 and 12 like well what's the point <laughs> uh, I didn't know you needed a university degree to be a zookeeper yeah you need to go do like a zoology a degree oh. or biology or something like that I see I see so, obviously I did not have the grades to do that or to get uh. into my units and yeah. then oh, I'm just aim for like business tourism or something like that now <laughs> yeah <laughs> Nothing against people that do business tourism, but like, <laughs> nothing against of course, a lower ATAR for yeah, yeah, the I was gonna aim for. And so, uni school, high school finished, mm. and I got my grades back. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> awesome, <laughs> I got like 30 something. Yeah, <laughs> I ain't getting into uni at all. <laughs> so, I ended up moving to the Gold Coast to do some work. I was working like 60 hours a week. Oh, man. And that's when my, my partner at the time was pregnant. <laughs> and so I was like, oh, awesome. <laughs> <laughs> we, moved, we moved back to Lismore yeah. just to be closer to family. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, I got a baby on board. <laughs> I was only working at Woolies at the time. I was like, yeah. I'm trying to find a career sort of thing. Yeah. So I was on an apprenticeship for a mechanic came up at Kmart Tire and Auto. So I was like, mm. oh, give that a go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Got about halfway through it and just really wasn't feeling it. And that's yeah. when I was diving on the Great Barrier Reef. So I got my opens in Byron Bay probably the year before that. Open scuba diving? Yeah. Yeah. And then I went up north and went to the Great Barrier Reef and just loved it up there. I always How could you not? Yeah, I always had that connection to the ocean and seeing that marine biologist up there, I was like, I might give this a crack at something I've always been passionate about. Mm. Got nothing to lose. I'm still on apprentice wages. <laughs> <laughs> Big money ever. Yeah. <laughs> so, and then I enrolled. Well, I, I could get into uni based off my Cert 3 light vehicle mechanic. Yeah. Then I was, But I wasn't too sure I could do uni. Mm. Enrolled into the Southern Cross University Preparation for Success program mm. just to see if I can do it. Like it's a free, a free bridging course. Yeah. So I've done that, and I was just just to test it. So he's like, "Oh, can I do uni? I sucked at high school, so I'll just do this free <laughs> just to make sure I don't have any debt." <laughs> yeah, we're studying something you you like at least. In yeah, exactly. Yeah, I've done the preparation course. Ended up getting. Uh, three distinctions and a high distinction. I was like, oh, sick. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> what did high school do to you? You <laughs> <laughs> can do this, hey. Yeah. <laughs> so I enrolled into the marine degree the following year and I ended up getting 
maybe or straight distinctions. I'm not too sure. Mm. I was like, oh, awesome. I actually can do this. And then yeah, I that up with some good grades again the next semester. And I was like, yeah. maybe I'll try the research pathway and see if I can do that. So I aimed a bit higher. And, mm. and once I was comfortable at uni, I started doing some community work around the uni with Indigenous mob. Yeah. The uni teams, ambassador roles and all that. And then I stumbled across the scholarship and I applied, got that, and here we this are. This is history. <laughs> Pretty much, as, every, as everybody knows. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, well uh, I didn't bring you on here just to, you know, tell the, rehash the story. I want to get some exclusive, you know, content. So, <laughs> yeah, what, what, what do you think, uh, like in high school and university, what was like the difference that you felt that, uh, really mm. made you struggle in high school, but really made you feel comfortable and succeed at university. Was it like a habit or was it something that you, the, the, the content that you were learning or? Yeah. A lot had to do with, um, as me pushing myself to be there. How's that high school? You have to be there. <laughs> you don't really get to yeah. join. <laughs> yeah. Uni is like, oh, I wanted to be here. I'm also doing stuff that I love, like, or working towards stuff that I like. Yeah. We helped, and I guess I went to uni when I was, how old was I? I think maybe 24, 23. Mm. So I was a lot more mature, and so I wanted to be there. It was probably the biggest factor Yeah. Me, yeah being successful at uni. Yeah. Mm. 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 Yeah, a lot of high school kids just, you know, they finish high school, jump straight into university, don't know what they're doing, hop around like, two, three, four degrees and then come out and they still so, sort of don't know what they're doing. Um, yeah. I can tell that story because uh, that's me. Uh, <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. Uh, but I think, yeah, I'm a little bit older now and I'll be in overseas for some university trips and maybe for you, it was the diving in the Great Barrier Reef and, you know, finding yeah. what you actually like. For me, it's like traveling. Like, and just understanding new cultures and like just everything's new and new experiences and there's so much that I don't know of. So that's what's really pushing me to, yeah, move forward and to learn. Yeah. But no, it's, it's, it's really interesting because <clears throat> yeah, we're both NCP scholars and you've been to Fiji. Yes. Yeah, I've been to Fiji for I think it was like a year and then I was at the Philippines for like a few weeks until COVID and I was yanked out of there. <laughs> <laughs> what were you doing in a Fiji? Well, well so, on the scholarship. So on the scholarship in Fiji, I'd done probably like a week's worth of language training at the start mm. just to learn about the cultural differences and learn about the culture a bit more. Mm. And then I'd done a year's worth of study at the University of South Pacific in Suva. So I was there for that and then I was seeking out some internships while I was there and there was one I'd done at Reef Explorer towards the end but I was doing stuff with him on weekends and mm. holidays and stuff and so that was a he was a marine conservation organization and I'd done coral restoration, coral spawning observation and some other marine stuff and then yeah. I'd, I'd done my research project there as well. Do you think the coral reefs can be saved, man? Like, I, like from Sydney, I'm just like way, like way, like far away from everything that's happening. I'm just like hearing the headlines and everything. But yeah, uh, 
Not looking pretty, to be honest. Looking pretty, all right. <laughs> yeah, some, some people are saying that the reef's already dead. We can't save it. Um, I believe we can. We just yeah. have to, we just have to turn ourselves around a little bit and be a bit more focused on what we're actually doing to our environment. So yeah. we can turn that around and save the reef. <laughs> research out there at the moment with like coral restoration and land management and obviously emissions control. Mm. Um, cool thing, my uni is partnered with another university looking at like cloud brightening to try and reflect some sun and <laughs> lower the temperature a little bit. Oh. Yeah, we'll see, hopefully. Heaps yeah. of people trying to, trying to fix it, so hopefully it's fixed. Yeah. yeah, because... Okay, this is off like my E10 science knowledge, but like <laughs> corals are pretty important, right? <laughs> yeah, they're, they're very important. Yeah. They probably only cover about like 1% of the ocean, but they house and shelter probably one third of all marine life. Wow. So they're, they're very important, not just yeah. to the sea, but to people on land as well. Mm. I see. Yeah. Yeah, coral, I think maybe to me is just a tourism attraction, but yeah, to the fishes and uh, to all the marine life, that's, well, that's really important. important. It protects our coastlines as well. So without the Great Barrier Reef up there, those storms would destroy Queensland and mm. half the coastline. I see. And I'm guessing that's really important for like the Pacific Islands because uh, if like there's like flooding or rising sea levels, Without the coral reefs, they'd be just devastated, right? Well, most of the Pacific Islanders and even in Southeast Asia where the coral reefs are there, a lot of the communities rely on the fish in the ocean there to live. That's mostly their protein intake there. Mm. They also protect the coastline from big storms and possible mm. storms as well. Mm. 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 And do you think there's like, uh, you did refer to there's enough research and oh, there's like growing research, but... Is, is like what's like the issue like do we need more money pumped into research like more climate aware conscious actions or obviously i'm just an undergrad <laughs> <laughs> take my opinion with a grain of salt no uh, no yeah obviously the emissions and the government getting on top of that stuff super important we need to slow down the global heating so it's not changing the climate heaps and destroying the environment for all corals and animals so we need to get on top of those emissions and we also need to get top on top of pollution going into the waterways mm. obviously plastic's a big one as well so mm. it's not just that one thing's going to fix it yeah we need to get on top of it and so does public so hopefully <laughs> we can turn a corner come COVID <laughs> and we start <laughs> in <the> direction <laughs> yeah Wait and see. Yeah. Well, a lot of people are staying home these days because of COVID, so less emissions from the cars, at least. Exactly. But, but with the plastic, a lot of people ordering things online and um, more plastic are coming in through that, so, yeah, so yeah, that's, not, that's not the best. Hopefully some shops start going a bit more sustainable. True. <laughs> <Less Yeah, laughs> <sure>. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> We've got a demand change for it to happen. Hmm. Hmm. Mm. And yeah, so you 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 are in Lismore, like, but do you prefer the lifestyle like in Lismore and like in in tropical Queensland rather than in Sydney? Like, why why do you prefer like or, or why have you like always sort of preferred living in 
maybe in a less urbanized or metropolitan area like in Sydney. <laughs> yeah, um, so obviously I was I was born in Sydney, as I said before, but we moved. I was like maybe one or two. Mm. We moved to the Northern Rivers here in Lismore. Mm. But I've always been close to the coast. Mm. I kind of like it there. Um, not much of a city person. <laughs> Six months I did live on the Gold Coast. <laughs> I hated that. Like it's a, lo- it's a lovely place. It's just too many people for me. Mm. I like the more relaxed lifestyle. Yeah. Uh, it's a bit better for me. Yeah. Mm. Do you think a lot of the city city uh, goers are missing out on like a nice relaxed because a lot of people living in the city here once they hit retirement they'll move up to the coast well i know they moved to like port Macquarie. that's like probably like one of the furthest parts away from sydney they'll go but probably not up to lismore is it just like a different lifestyle change or um i think some people want a lifestyle change some people get tired of city life it's a bit full on <laughs> that is true being in Sydney, I was just like, it just doesn't stop. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, a lot of people like that change of lifestyle. Mm. It's very attractive, especially here in the Northern Rivers. Mm. A lot of people moving from the city, moving into, say, Byron Bay, Mm. surrounding areas, they're starting to pick up a lot of um, people moving in just for that different lifestyle, I think. Yeah. You've got a lot of nature, a lot of waterfalls and some good beaches around as well. So I guess that's a good attractant for those people. (laughs) <laughs> if you think sydney doesn't stop once you go to like asian cities like in southeast asia or like you know east asia mate they they don't turn off the lights at all like at least in sydney yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> i was in suva yeah i was there with other ncp guys that are from like sydney canberra and all those sort of like in melbourne mm. and they're like it's not like it's and to me, I was like, this is a lot of people. <laughs> like, I stayed out of Suva as much as I could. Yeah. But no, it was quite funny. Um, and then when I went to the Philippines, stopped in Manila, I was like, I didn't go to the I was like, nah, I'm not going. <laughs> and I ended up staying in the Philippines in um, Negros Oriental. Uh-huh. And then, like, in a little village town. So yeah. it was all the city life. <laughs> Good for me. <laughs> I can't handle it. <laughs> yeah. No, I think like uh, maybe like if you live in the city for a while, you just like get used to all the noise, all the people and just like your mind just doesn't stop in some ways. And that's why I think a lot of people just like take the weekend, go to the Blue Mountains or like yeah. do a trek or do a hike just to get away from it. So. Exactly. Yeah, man. <laughs> The lights on is a bit different. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, and your NCP experience obviously it was a bit cut, a little bit short. Um, but like, what were like the the key standout points and the the memories that you you know take with you as you move forward? Um, like obviously the people you meet, like you meet some incredible people out there, especially mm-hmm. like locals and other international students mm. i still have like good connections with local people and international students like i have a mate and that's from norway norwegian and we're still being connected that's awesome a few locals that are in my field that we chat every now and then to see where, where, where we're up to what we're doing yeah doing cool stuff in our field so 
that was definitely one key point. Um, I loved being in the tropics, just being having like a coral reef on your doorstep sort of thing was really cool. Yeah. <laughs> being down where I am, we get corals, but we don't get coral reefs. So oh. good to have that sort of that environment to go out there and actually swim on a coral reef, just mm. for, not just for like research or uni. Yeah. Or like, yeah. So that's good. Um, and just like whole experience is just amazing. It's just, it's, I never would have got it being here in Australia. Just learning how different cultures, how they like, react to the environment. Mm. In Fiji, they're, they're quite aware of what plastic pollution does, what the climate change is doing to them. Because like the sea level rising that you were talking about before, it's ruining some of their crops over there because they're getting salt water coming into the groundwater there and it's killing oh. them. So you can see the impact. Yeah. You can see what's happening. Yeah. Quite like in Sydney or in Australia, we're quite disconnected from our environment because like sea level rise isn't like as it is now isn't really affecting us. Yeah. It's probably affecting some people where those that erosion's happening down south. Mm. But like it's not really affecting us too much yet. Yeah. We've got a bit of a lag being here in Australia, but over Pacific Islands. Southeast Asia that live on coral reefs, they can see that change quite instantly. Mm. Yeah, I wouldn't say we're like we're out of touch, but we just yeah, we just don't see it every day in front of our faces. Like the plastic that I have, I'll just chuck it in the the bin, the the yellow bin, and then that's the last time I'll ever see it again. But for people living uh, directly in the coasts, we actually see the waste and the plastic and actual yeah. effects of it they'll see the actual plastic in the water right that's exactly. that's crazy and yeah i think living in that kind of a place really does yeah how people react to like uh the the sea level changes and just the way of life but in sydney we're also very i guess desensitized to it because we just can get our food from woolies or like coals yeah, exactly. And for them, they're actually going to like struggle because they can't grow the stuff. So, yeah, mm, interesting. Some of those like communities living near coral reefs, they rely on their fisheries a yep. lot, their food. So when they're starting to diminish now from mm. overfishing and pollution and climate change, it's starting to affect their lifestyle, or they're going to have to start importing more food as well to try and address. Like less fish they born out of the ocean. Mm. I did read somewhere. Like I did read somewhere. I heard briefly somewhere, and I probably will get the year wrong. But like, like twenty fifty, <laughs> is mm. like like when all the fishes like that, like fishing overfishing from overfishing. <clears throat> uh, there's no more fish. Okay, I'm sure there's gonna be fish, but like, no, there's not gonna not, be enough for us to eat. There's all different scales and all different trends and everything, but a lot of them point to 2050 being a really bleak time. <laughs> like, I think there's, I've seen forecasts and trends saying 2050 there might be no coral reefs left. Mm. If there's no coral reefs, there's all your fish, they're gone. <laughs> yeah. Like some open water fish, but a lot of the, like say mangroves, coral reefs, they hold like juveniles and sheltered juveniles. Mm. There's no shelter for those juveniles, they die, and those bigger fish have nothing to eat. Mm. They're going to disappear, and then we literally have nothing. Mm. <laughs> Obviously, they're trends, and 
hopefully we can get on top of it and turn it around and save some of these ecosystems that we still have. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just getting flashes of like no more fish for my diet. Oh no, that's gonna yeah. it's gonna be bad. Yeah. Exactly. Oh, no, mate. Yeah. And yeah, well, I did ask you this previously, but like, you know, what are your like right now because of COVID? I think everyone's plans have. Yeah, everyone's just like very cautious now of like making plans. I had like grand scheme plans and <laughs> like what this year and next year was going to be. But yeah, like do, what are your plans now? I'm just like looking um, forward. So being in the place I'm in at the moment where I'm kind of waiting for honours to start, mm. a bit hard to plan just because obviously honours is honours. It's mm. only year and... <laughs> If I go well at that, I go on PhD. If I don't, <laughs> I'll start looking at other avenues, like other yeah. workforce or do my master's and try and push through a PhD through that pathway. Mm. It's kind of trying to weigh everything up. And obviously, being an NCP, you open a lot of doors as well. Yeah, You're probably starting to find out now. Mm. So I've got some connections, I've great barrier reef and some other places around the world. So I'm happy to search them out if honours doesn't work out as planned. But at this stage, it's honours and then go on to research in the form of a PhD mm. and look for workplace experience. And then after that, it's probably trying to use that workplace experience to come back to universities or teach people about the environment and try and help the next generation come through. Pave the way. Yeah, trying to. <laughs> <laughs> I've got to get that experience first. We can't just help people that much at the moment. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. mm. In terms of plans, just I just have to abide my time at the moment. I've been applying for work with the research groups, so hopefully there's a couple jobs I'm applying off at the moment that have lined up. It just depends on COVID allowing university students to work as casuals. So Yeah at the moment but i try and keep all the doors open hmm. yeah, and i touch on the future plans because well i know that you recently had your daughter so congratulations on that yeah. <laughs> probably can hear her in the background a little bit as well yeah, she's just there playing a switch switch I don't know much about that stuff anymore. Yeah. <laughs> I think I played with her the other day. <laughs> yeah. She's just killing it. <laughs> She's getting pretty good at it, so I might yeah. have to hang it up at the moment. Yeah. How's, uh, well, obviously there's like been a lot of challenges in your life, but I'm guessing the next challenge would be fatherhood and being able to balance that out as well. Yeah, so... Being a marine scientist, it's trying to balance being a father and being able to work on coral reefs. Mm. And obviously, coral reefs about eight hours north from where I live. Mm. <laughs> obviously, I got to try and balance that. So that's that's the bit of my limbo that I'm in at the moment is just yeah. like how to get that work lifestyle balance right. Mm. So. And I can't really plan that until I know what's happening post honours. <laughs> so mm, mm. we'll see how that goes. But at the moment, everything's looking like it's going to line up. Mm. And fingers crossed it does. <laughs> <laughs> mm. Yeah, well, I'm not a dad uh, just yet. 
yeah was there anything that you did <laughs> yeah yeah was there anything that you um didn't expect or think that you know that wasn't something that you um thought was going to happen but was like definitely all a part of fatherhood <laughs> well having a kid was a bit of a surprise for me i was <laughs> actually 18 when she arrived yeah <laughs> so I was like, oh, I'm not going to have a kid when I'm young. I'm going I'm to go to <laughs> life and do everything. <laughs> you speak things into reality, mate. <laughs> and then yeah, yeah. It's not as scary as it appears. As long as you're there and you're putting in the work, it, it makes it a bit easier. I'm not mm. saying it's easy. It's a kid. You've got to look after somebody. But yeah. You've just got to take, take the hits and go with it, I reckon. It's, yeah. been, it's been good. It's been hard, difficult at times, but... Definitely rewarding. Mm. Yeah, like you go from like 18 or like my age right now, I'm 24. Like you can barely look after, like I can barely go look after myself. So you have to now take care of a different like human being who like needs your care 24 hours a day. Yeah, I don't grow up quite quickly. I was like definitely in like a beach bum phase <laughs> before I had that. <laughs> so maybe she was the one that strained me and actually went decent because of her. But yeah. I think. Yeah. <laughs> mm. <laughs> I say. Okay. Uh, and yeah, you, you're you're obviously also a uh, Indigenous NCP scholar. Yeah. Uh, and I know you've been working very hard to promote the New Colombo Plan program for Indigenous communities, just to uh, you know, give more exposure and awareness to what the program can do and how it's transformed your life. So. You know, what, what's been like, like the hardest, uh, I guess, obstacle of actually getting that exposure and like making the community a lot more, um, you know, aware of like the benefits and the actual program itself. Yeah. So part of being the NCP Indigenous Ambassador, it's uh, very difficult. Obviously, COVID's made it a lot harder. I'm very much a... Mm. Go speak to people, ambush them in their offices type of person. <laughs> <laughs> I can't really rely on my strengths as much, but really it's just trying to get the scholarship out there saying Indigenous people can apply for it, get it promoted out there so that people know about it. Mm. Like I'm pushing at my university a bit more actively, so we're chasing up some potential students, emailing them and calling them up saying, hey, look, there's this scholarship here, you should apply for it. Quite life-changing. Yeah for our indigenous community too so trying to do that it's a bit hard with covid so we're trying to actively do that but also set some good footings to do it for the next year and the following years as well hmm. so, do you find that, yeah do you find that indigenous students or the community there is just uh <clears throat> not aware of all the opportunities that they have and like this yeah. is a like I guess you're doing your, your own part, but is there like a greater <clears throat> initiative that can be put in place just to help with that in the future years to come? Yeah, um, it's quite hard, I, I think, with Indigenous communities, especially the one at our university. A lot of them just come to uni to get their degree and that's it. And it, mm. a lot of them don't engage too much in the community culture as much it could be different for other universities that are a bit bigger we don't quite have that on-campus culture that some other universities might mm. so it's just trying to get them aware that 
there's more possibilities and opportunities at university than just getting a degree. Yeah. I'm trying to push that and push the um, building your connections is quite important. And obviously pushing that opens more opportunities and NCP scholarship is one of them. Yeah. I'm trying to open that, the community a bit more. So hopefully they're, they're not just coming in to get a degree because a lot of people are doing that, come in yeah. and get a degree what's going to make you better than the next person that got the same degree so building those communications those connections to give you that leg up and that's what i'm aiming for with the indigenous community here trying to get more involved and obviously this scholarship is probably one of the best best ways to do that i reckon yeah (laughs) definitely it's just building awareness because our university never fills the full 10 nominations as is so it's just building awareness of the scholarship up and just putting it out there to heads of schools and lecturers to say there's a scholarship out there. If you see potential students, let them know about it and push them towards international offices so they can find out more about it. Yeah, I think building connections is also a part of like the NCP objective. And I I can't really speak too much about um, my experience with that. Um, You know, I'm interacting with the, the Indigenous community myself. I'm very much in my own bubble here i mean i'm not sure if you you've probably never heard of this suburb it's called cabramatta uh, oh. yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, i'm vietnamese by ethnic um heritage mm-hmm. and yeah i think uh with local students and i go to the university of sydney where there's literally like sixty thousand kids um studying there That's and great. building it is mate. It's, it's just insane <laughs> and like building connection you would think that it's easy because just just so many people around you, but everyone is, well, in my experience, I'm not the biggest uh, extrovert. So you have to really find the people that you really click with and then build those connections um, as well. Um, And I think everyone, well, for me, I think when you, uh, when you can't find that group, yeah, it's harder to like find and reach out to other people to build those connections as well. So I must assume it's the same with the Indigenous community where, you know, they're very comfortable with their own uh, groups and their friends and communities. And yeah, anyone who's different, like, I think it's just a little bit more harder. And especially, um, yeah, I, and I see that here in Sydney as well. So, um, yeah. Quite an introverted person as well. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like talking. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, um, like, for people out there, it's really important to put yourself in positions you feel uncomfortable. Mm. Don't don't stay comfortable your whole time at university as, as nice and easy as it is. Mm. Putting yourself in uncomfortable situations does open opportunities and builds those connections at university, which obviously for me in my first year, I've just done university. I stuck to myself. I didn't really communicate with many people apart from my group members or friends I actually knew. Yeah. And then when I opened my second year, I think I, the first time I reached out to the community was, what was it, at the Equity and Diversity Office, where I was um, an outreach mentor. So I went out to high schools and public schools to talk to children about careers and university. Mm. And I only done that so I could practice my public speaking and put myself in an uncomfortable situation. There we go. That snowboard, I got noticed by the ambassador's office 
and they asked me to do some work with them and then I'd done some work with Indigenous communities as well and the PSB program and I kind of just snowballed and yeah a more uncomfortable situation <laughs> connections built a good resume up and then stumbled across the NCP scholarship and all that hard work and putting myself in uncomfortable situations paid off in the end and got me the scholarship. Yeah, that's, that's, a, really, that's a really good message, mate. I'm not sure if you intended on that, but... <laughs> like you, Get it uh, across, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you don't have to be an extroverted person to be able to connect with people. I'm not yeah. one of those people and I'm... Yeah. Friends think I'm probably one of the best communicators they know. Yeah. <laughs> I have no idea why they think that. I'd rather just sit at home and watch movies. Yeah, I think everyone does, mate. <laughs> I think I think it's also like your authenticity as well. Like, like you, if you want to speak to someone, like being a mentor, being an outreach ambassador, like at least like you have the genuine interest and genuine um, need and want to actually speak to people. I think yeah. if you're going to speak to people just for the just for the heck of it and really yeah. not build any connections out of it or really understand who they are, I think then that's, yeah, I think that, that does make it a bit harder to actually make meaningful connections. Yeah. Yeah. And if you're trying to do it, just try and find something you're passionate about. For me, it was a bit easier because I like giving back to the community and helping young kids trying to achieve because I didn't really have that opportunity when I was younger. Mm. So that's what I focused towards. It was a bit of a strength, if you say. And just find that passion. You might, you might like sport, you might like arts or something. Go help out in the arts group or a sport group. Yeah. Writing group. It doesn't have to be something you don't like, it's just something that you share a passion with. Mm. 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 That's interesting, mate. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> No, like, uh, just like hearing your story, like when you're saying like putting yourself out there and then once you, it's like taking the next step, right? And yeah. then from there you build momentum. Um, yeah. I think the hardest part is just to like get started. Yeah, you might I mean. find yourself to enjoy it. Like, strangely, yeah. apparently I do. <laughs> <laughs> like, obviously, like you've heard some of my stories. Like yeah. one of the people that wrote my stories, she was talking to me and she's like, you know what? I think you like being in uncomfortable situations. Like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> like it kind of opened my eyes up a bit more. And yeah, like, you might find yourself to like it a little bit. Make yeah. it quite rewarding as well. So, yeah, yeah. And I think you're not really afraid of not taking risks, but doing different things as well. Yeah. And I think you, you're like you just take it as it is. Like you're not gonna like sit there and just like feel sorry for, about yourself and your situation. Like, you're just going to like do the next thing just to make things work. So, Oh yeah. Don't get me wrong. I sit there and have my freak out, <laughs> the breakdowns like everybody. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, I'm parcel, I reckon. Have a freak out, but make sure you're being proactive. Mm. Mm. Yeah. I think being proactive and just getting the ball rolling. If you don't have the ball rolling, then it's just, you're not gonna, like, no one's going to knock on your door and, like, give you that job. No one's going to knock on your door and give you exactly. the opportunity to apply for the NTP. You have to actually go out there and... Yeah, you be yeah. proactive, do your, do your groundwork, and you'll find things can fall in place quite easily, and that's what happened to me. I just, I was just working away, just doing stuff to keep busy, and then... Yeah. NTP, blah, 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 and now I'm going... 
<laughs> like I went into uni just trying to get a degree and do something in marine. <laughs> now I'm possibly going into a PhD, hopefully. <laughs> uh, I laugh because like that, that's exactly how it was for me. Uh, I didn't know what I was doing in the last, the first like three or four years of uni, which is a long time for me. Um, and then once I actually reached out for opportunities to go overseas, uh, I went to Indonesia the first time and that just opened my eyes to like, you can like get scholarships to like travel and like learn and just go overseas. It's like, yeah. And that just opened up for me. So I was just obsessed and I just found, I just tried to find as many opportunities as I can. Yeah. Like money out there for you to go overseas to travel uh, yeah. and learn. And that's, this blows my mind, man. That's how I stumbled on the NCP. I was actually, because I got indigenous heritage, but I also have um, island Vanuatu heritage as well. Mm. And so partway through my degree, I was like, oh, it'd be cool to go do like some exchange in the Pacific. Yeah. One of my friends said, oh, we might be partners with like Hawaii University. It's like, oh, that's cool. I'll go check it out. <laughs> was, Is there any chance to go do like an exchange program? Yeah. I went to the student support office. I was like, is there like a chance to exchange in the Pacific, Vanuatu, Hawaii or something? And they're like, oh, we don't know too much about that stuff. There is opportunities. Go talk to the international office. And they sent me over there. I was like, oh, I'll go talk to these guys. And they obviously called the international office to let them know I was coming over. <laughs> I pulled up my grades and they're like, oh, there's this exchange stuff you can do, but there's also the new combo plan scholarship. Yeah. <laughs> And I was like, oh, I can't be bothered to look at that. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, well, if you want to do it, you need to do it tonight because we're closing nominations. Oh, my God. <laughs> I, was like, oh. I was like, I'll look at it. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, what the hell? I'll just apply for it and see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> boom. <laughs> the rest is history. <laughs> wow. <laughs> huh. And was it was like your first time... Um fly into Canberra to do the you had to do that as well I'm assuming fly into Canberra yeah. do the interviews how was that for you that was um daunting <laughs> yeah <laughs> not gonna lie no. not very good under pressure sometimes <laughs> <laughs> wasn't my strongest point being a, a spokesperson or <laughs> anything like that yeah so like I had a few like obviously because I've done a bit of work in the community at my university I was lucky enough to have somebody that's been on board panels for interviews mm. I've done mock interviews with them and mock interviews with the international office so by the time I got down to Canberra for my interviews I, I knew what I wanted to say it was just yeah. when I said it <laughs> <laughs> but, like the best advice for interviews is just act natural be yourself yeah like don't try and be something you're not because i'll see right through you that's right so just try and make connections and conversation and apparently they like you if you do <laughs> <laughs> i did try to make them laugh which was uh which thankfully worked imagine i just told it i didn't tell a joke but i was like trying to say something funny and if they just didn't laugh and i was just waiting for the reaction it would be pretty bad yeah i think it's yeah. quite Quite um normal for people try and get some humor in there, just trying to yeah. relax attention. <laughs> I think I'd done that as well. I was like, <laughs> I giggled. I was like, yes, <laughs> I'm getting it. <laughs> if they didn't, I don't know what I would have done. <laughs> yeah, well, I've heard of uh, people. I spoke to Rob uh, Malachi, uh, yeah, and he that. said, yeah, 
and he said like uh well our, our approach was humor um but yeah th there was uh, apparently students that came in and just told like very deep emotional stories and even uh yeah shed a few tears and that, that's one way as well so just be authentic and stick to your story being authentic they, they love it being a genuine person they can see that you're a real person and that you'll you're gonna do what you say you're gonna do yeah man well uh we're, we're finishing soon so uh, before i let you go uh you know um yeah it's it's been a long journey for you uh i'm sure there's like another probably like 60 70 years for you to go but uh, <laughs> yeah like just looking back from now um in the past and you know what 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 are the key lessons or things that you've really taken out of this whole roller coaster of a journey that you've had and what, what advice would you give to the NCP community, but also the indigenous community if they, yeah, if they could hear it. Obviously is that putting yourself in an uncomfortable situation, I reckon it's huge. Being proactive, doing your groundwork. Mm. Just so when opportunities come up, they can just slot straight into place. Um, one big thing I've learned during the scholarship program is to um, not focus everything on one opportunity and one pathway. Mm. I find if you do that, if something falls apart or something fails, which it's more likely to do on the NCP scholarship, you'll just be stressed and freaking out because you have no other alternatives. Mm. Mm. So what I used to do is say, oh, this is what I want to do. This is exactly what I want to do, but say that doesn't work. There's these opportunities over here or these opportunities over there. Yeah. So if that one pathway that you really want to does fail, you already know what's what's your backup plans. Yeah. I found that very useful. It's great advice. But yeah, just obviously keeping your doors open, don't close any, keeping your options open. Yeah. Um, putting yourself in those uncomfortable situations. Building connections is super important. You'll be surprised how much that will help you in the long run. Um, yeah, just enjoy yourself, really. Don't want to stress yourself out too much and not enjoy it. Yeah, you want the flow, I think. Yeah. Go with the flow. Go with <laughs> the flow, mate. <laughs> I know some people aren't worked that way, but... No, that, that's me, mate, yeah. Oh, yeah. I think maybe in the city as well. Like Everyone's like, I need to be... I need to be a doctor. I need to be, I need to like do this. And yeah. they're not, yeah. Well, for me as well, um, yeah, not having the plan B or C, uh, yeah, I think really uh, stung me in the butt. But I think just having, being open, I think I am very open to new opportunities, but just thinking of alternatives and if things fall through, uh, just go to the, move, move on to the next thing. I think I've definitely learned that with uh, COVID. I put all my eggs, literally like every single egg into the basket for NCP. Uh, I was supposed to go on exchange uh, this semester and then spend next year um, in Asia. Yeah, well, to be fair, I expected COVID. I'm sure there's like one or two people out there. Huh? No one expected a global pandemic. Uh, uh, no. <laughs> if you're predicting that thing, you should go look in that line of work. Yeah. <laughs> Some money for you. <laughs> exactly exactly yeah no but great advice yeah i think moving forward now at least i'm taking COVID as obviously not a blessing but something as a lesson for me to learn just to have definitely plans plan b's and c's and uh just to move forward mate 
Yeah. Get those doors open. That's it. Make it less stressful, trust me. That's it. Thanks. Thank you for your time, uh, Jordan. I really appreciate it. And looking forward to all the work that you're going to be doing and to see what interesting and amazing things that, yeah, you're going to be uh, being able to achieve. And hopefully I can go to Queensland soon to actually uh, enjoy the corals. Yeah. Well. <laughs> Make sure you get in there. I might not be there one day. <laughs> yeah, sadly. Cheers, <laughs> uh, Jordan. Have a good one.